We've never guaranteed that a conversation will be less likely to make it into the intro of our episode more than by listing off all of the brand names that we just brought up. Since that's an excellent way to start the podcast, why don't you tell us who you are? Well, my name's Chris, and I am a filmmaker from Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm a real Joe. I'm Rick Fox. I'm an aspiring author, and the hooker bot just got together with my holographic girlfriend, and they ran off together, and now I'm alone. I'm Josh Birch an analyst here in Nashville, and I'm a little yellow daisy. I'm Ben, I'm an analyst here in Nashville. I have a pet dog. He's very loyal. And And we're opinionated! Oh, we we have actually started already. Yeah, it's been recording. We are absolutely recording right now. So a few days ago, we saw Blade Runner, twenty forty nine. Yes, and we have already released a spoiler free podcast on this. So if you want to know our thoughts about this spoiler free, you can go listen to that. Um, But this will be spoiler filled. We now have Chris with us, obviously, so we can get into the whole movie. Yeah, which thing is how he introduced himself. Should I should I go through the stats again real quick? Yes, just in case sure. someone hasn't. All right. So uh, the Blade Runner uh, has an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. It, it was directed by Denis Villeneuve, and it stars Ryan Gosling, Harrison Ford, Ana de Armas, Sylvia Hooks, Robin Wright, and Mackenzie Davis. A young Blade Runner's discovery of a long-buried secret leads him to track down former Blade Runner Rick Deckard, who's been missing for 30 years. So I'm super stoked to be back and able to represent the voice of reason on the podcast. However, Since when do you do that? Oh, constantly. Since its inception, (laughs) you might say. Um, But not since our episode doing inception, because we haven't done that yet. We should, though. Yeah, honestly, it'd be a great Yeah, that'd episode. be another one where I imagine I disagree with you guys. Did not like Inception at I all. I thought it was overrated. I Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, honestly, it's hey, probably... look at you, Chris, being the voice of reason. <laughs> right, exactly. But, so uh, that'll be part of our Christopher Nolan retrospective. <laughs> but honestly, this is, a, this is a bit perplexing for me because uh, I, I honestly think that if you are going to like Blade Runner 2049, this is a movie that I think you're going to get more out of if you don't know what you're in for. So, unfortunately, I would recommend if you haven't seen it and you really want to know, just listen to these three guys' opinion on the previous episode. Although I do not agree with most of the points that were made, <laughs> you should go see it for yourself or just listen to that episode, then come back to this one. That's my personal opinion. To be fair, I don't think that I'm going to disagree with you on that one as well. I don't think there's anything in the movie that's particularly shocking. So, you know. Oh, man. There's, there's so many twists and turns in this movie that really Is had, there? For me, absolutely. It feels like there's one that okay. we there's can see coming a mile away. Let's not, let's not <laughs> jump too far into things. Let's go ahead and start at the beginning. I actually really like the way this movie opens and this initial like lead up to and fight between these two as we come to find out Ooh, replicants. I did want to cover something real quick, though, that in y'all's previous episode that I listened to, uh, Binge pointed out that in the opening crawl, they state that replicants now have normal human length lifespans, and you believed that was not true. It is correct. No, no, no. Replicants I said have... that's not what I said. What I said was the old ones couldn't have them. And oh, well, of course. They're not going to retroactively no, reducing. Yeah, it was up was to Nexus 6, which Nexus this 6 one was about. four-year lifespan. And this His movie is about Nexus 8. His point was Deckard couldn't. 
Exactly. These are Nexus 8s, which we don't know no what, one in the original movie know. could have been we because there would have at know. least been a 7 somewhere in there. Well, even no, in we the opening crawl. Told, we were only told that the Nexus 6 have a four-year lifespan. And that's Everybody all that else... existed in Blade Runner. This is Blade no, Runner. No, 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 literally older than that. She was the new. She was a newer prototype beyond she wasn't the Nexus. Older than four years. Yeah. Okay. She. Okay. So the Nexus Seven was in the middle. Maybe they had a longer and, lifespan. And she we obviously don't know did how based on twenty forty nine. Them are. But since we don't no know, one says anything about model, any of that, we don't or know what, what model Deckard could have been, it doesn't matter. They do state that all of the older model replicants that had the four-year lifespans by the time the movie starts had already been retired or had met their lifespan. So there's no more of those in the movie. That we know. We don't know what Deckard was, even after this movie, which I do like about it. Yeah, actually, yes. And this fight, as you're about to point <laughs> out, with, uh, um, uh, I believe his name Kay? is Saber. No, K and... Uh, and the guy that Drax plays. Yeah, Dave Drax. Batista. Yeah. Dave Bautista. This was awesome. Like, this fight was so good when he's punching him through the wall. You really get a sense of, like, how much stronger these are than normal humans. And just even the fact that uh, Kay survives is already an indication after going through that wall that either this is bullshit or he's a replicant. And they really quickly are just like, oh, yeah, so you're a replicant. Yeah. Well, and like, I like that, that we know that from the get-go. Like, in that entire fight scene, like, the thing that I liked most was, like, when he was bashing his, like, yes. head up against the wall but it shows the other side of the wall and it just sees that like oh, pushing so out. Good. It like, really is. That, that, was, is that awesome. was like the most, like to me, the most awesome part about that entire fight I scene. I did think that Kay was an idiot for putting his gun down like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> but that the fight itself is really fun to watch. I, but, I also really like the way that we're introduced to it, which is Saber is a protein farmer, which again, that, that I think is an interesting way of telling you something about this world right mm-hmm. where okay the population's gotten to a point where they need protein farms and they're oh, doing it sapper with, with grubs yeah sapper is his name sapper. yes well i was like that is a really cool way of telling us something about the world uh and it's a cool environment you know he's flying through all the mist and the fog mm-hmm. or i guess pollution d- depending on how you want to read the scenario he's coming in on they do they do state that like the world is in like huge disarray because of climate change so like everything about like what they're trying to do is a result of the fact that like they need to rely on synthetic farming for the human race to live on earth because everyone else left planet for that reason because it was no longer sustainable for human life and so by having that and supporting it by little details like oh they eat literal worms now like that's cool yeah definitely i I thought that was cool a cool detail as well and i also really like just the way that this this builds up to the fight because from the moment that uh sapper walks into the room and we see uh uh in the corner kind of just sitting there it's an excellent way of like that scene, that shot lingering the way that it does is an excellent way of letting that tension build because we're not sure that Sapper sees him. We're not sure why that guy's here. We know that this is like a, a situation that's going to have conflict because obviously it's going to. So that whole buildup is really, really good, I think. Well, and I also like some of the small touches too because it feels like they almost turn a couple tropes on their head where he walks in and we're expecting them to get into a fight because we, you know, we can tell that Kay is a police officer and we kind of assume that he's here to retire a replicant. Right. But 
when ba- I think it's interesting when Bautista comes in, he puts on his glasses, which mm-hmm. is typically, you know, okay, we're about to get into a rumble. I'm going to take my glasses off and put them away. Mm-hmm. And so he puts on his glasses and then they start having a conversation. And so even though you're still expecting it to break out into a fight at some point, mm-hmm. I was, I, I thought that was interesting because at the same time, I was also really enjoying the conversation they were ha- having and I would have been okay with that conversation continuing on. Right, exactly. Like, it was an interesting talk. But yeah. it also the fight happens so suddenly, like we know it's about to happen because he draws the knife. Yeah. But also once he like finally throws down the punch because the conversation itself has been so immersive and been like, I really want to know more about both of these characters. It really caught me off guard and sort of jarred me as they started just going to this brutal violence of him slamming his head into and then through a wall, which yeah. is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then basically uh, it, it ends with basically Kay having the upper hand. Um, he draws his gun on Sapper and Sapper points out that like the reason Kay's doing what he's doing and the reason why he's falling in line is because he hasn't experienced what Sapper's experienced as he would put it a miracle. Right. That's sort of the, the little rabbit hole that the movie goes through from here on out. But or, I think it's a dumb line. Or really? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I think very, it's awesome. I think no. I think it's an awesome line. I think it's stupid uh, for Wait. the story because we're already told in the opening crawl that the new replicants that are made don't have the same like ability to say no. They don't have that ability whatsoever that's been programmed out of them. Okay, but it's still an well, interesting it's, line, it's especially really, as you find out what it is referring to, which yeah. actually, even within the context of the world, could qualify as a miracle. Yeah, no, is, I, no, like I, I, like it's it's interesting in the world, but it doesn't like makes no difference or should never make any difference to Kay whatsoever throughout the entire movie because he is literally programmed to follow orders no. well, from the get-go. He's from got, the you're, get-go. You're but half he's got, right, but, but he's not. got choice within those orders. Like, as long as he's not ordered to kill or not kill someone, he can still make that choice. Like, yes, he has to follow the orders of someone who is above him, but that doesn't mean that he is a being without any sense of choice at all. And also, because of where this line goes, we realize that a replicant got pregnant. They were designed and programmed to not have that function. So already within this well, world, except we have pro- except that he's intentionally been trying to get replicants pregnant. Well, well they, the, no, the, that the interesting no. thing about From it, Tyrell. It, the interesting Tyrell. thing about it is that Tyrell managed to figure out how to do it, and this guy has been trying to do it and can't figure it out. Sure. And her whether it was ability actually to do it, intentional or right, not. Yeah. Either way, it's still super interesting. I I think this line's cheesy. I, th- I think it's goofy, and later on we find out that it means something, and I mean we can assume that it does, but without the context coming up later in the film, I just think I think it's goofy, and I and I also really dislike it when a movie has to go back and like play for you the same a scene that's happened earlier, it, like I, I literally play it, and, and and like like later on when he's reading through the book, or I I don't remember when it plays again specifically, but I remember that it does play where he's reading through something or listening to somebody, and all of a sudden here comes Sapper again with. You've never seen the miracle. And it's like, I, 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 I personally, I think that's really cheesy when movies if, do that. If it was just, if it was, if it was not as solid of a reveal as it is, and if it was later not as, on, it, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's a, it's a reveal. It happens later. What do you mean? Yeah, <laughs> if it was I, not as solid of a reveal, like, then I would be on board with you. But because it is a solid reveal and one that makes sense in the context of this world to be considered a miracle, then that's what gets me on board. That is interesting enough that, okay, yeah, it's a little cheesy, but anything can be cheesy. Like, you know, 
that doesn't mean whether or not I'm going to like it or not. I'll, I'll say I understand the flashback thing, but it, it's not overdone in this movie either. Like, I would say to my taste, I would have preferred for those things to have been out as well. But it's also not like this egregious, like, it's not like they literally play the whole scene as you seem to have detailed. Sure, they just, just cut to the line, line as he's remembering <laughs> And to be it, fair, like, it was probably two hours ago, so maybe some people will need a, re- a right. refresher. <laughs> I, but I don't know. Anyway. It's, it's my taste. I I think I thought it was a cheesy line. And anyway, I that, that's fine. I just don't get it. I it, think I think it's a stupid line. I I think it, I think it's a really good line. Why? I think it's a stupid line. Why is it stupid? I think it, I think it's, no, stop. Let me finish. You can you can argue with me well, after stop, I make stop my point. Saying it's stupid. Say why it is. I stupid. was trying to, and then you interrupted me. Go ahead. It's a stupid line. Because he is trying to say, oh, if you witnessed the miracle, then you would be like me. When, in fact, these rep- these new replicants are not designed or don't have the should not have the capability to do what K does at the end of this movie. I don't think that's what he's talking the- about. I don't think it's talking about, like, if you had seen a miracle, you could defy your programming and not, you would suddenly have f- complete free will. I think that's that, essentially what he's saying. No, no, I think what he's saying is that you would be a different person entirely. How can you be you a different that- person entirely if you're programmed to literally obey your creators? Because that's literally that's- what happens through the movie. Right. Like, that's the For experience that, yes. of the movie. And also, you can still be a specific person or you could be a different specific person while listening to those orders it's not saying you suddenly have to make all these choices this way because i've told you to do those things he just has to follow orders if they say you have to go investigate this he has to go investigate that yeah like it's it's to, to say that it is stupid because it doesn't feel consistent i i feel like that's just really hard for me to buy because also at this point you don't really have enough information to confirm that it's inconsistent. And we were literally told in the opening crawl in the movie that they are not allowed to disobey orders. So how does that make the line stupid? It's got nothing to do with obeying or disobeying orders. Yes, it does, because he- When does he try to disobey an order? He lies constantly to Robin Wright's character as soon as he can He never lies to her. He says things that are misleading. That is different. Maybe a white lie, but she says, I need you to investigate this and take care of it. And that's exactly what he he does. No, he didn't take care of it. He did because he figured out it was him. Yeah. Yes, but she he told said, him to get rid of the kid. He said he does not get rid of the kid. He, he leaves. said it's taken care of. And yes, he leaves. He from says, a certain he point says of view, I did what you wanted. And that was not was the case. Investigated. No. And from a and certain get rid of the kid. He, and from a certain point of view. Right, exactly. That's what misleading is, dummy. I know what misleading is, asshole. I'm saying that it's stupid. It, I agree with you, Ben, that it doesn't make sense based on what we've been told about these these computer these robots. You're both wrong, dummies. Let's move on. I just on. wanted to say something with a with a title at the end of it. Let's move on. All right, so basically he he goes from here and he uh, he goes and he does the new Voight comp test, which is super weird and off-putting, and I think it's really really cool. I like I, it. I like I this one it, a lot better than the previous. I agree as well. I think it's interesting that uh, it is so off-putting because the original one was not. This one gets an unconscious emotional reaction from me at least. Like whatever is going on here is off-putting enough that it makes me react to it and I can see that being how the test works because he's clearly throughout this test not reacting or at least 
attempting to not react, and I'm not sure which one it is, and I, I like that about it. Well, yeah. it, feel, it feels a whole lot more invasive than the previous Voight-Comp did. He's yeah. in this white room. He's by himself. You can't even see the person talking to him, and it's basically telling him what his responses need to be and testing his, like, almost it seems like it's testing his immediacy to comply. And it's mm-hmm. like, uh, uh, like uh, what does it feel like to hold the hand of the woman you love? Intersect! And he's like, intersect. It's just yeah. super weird. It, just, yeah. it, it gave me chills. It was super odd. And I know that this was covered in y'all's spoiler-free uh, review, but I've got to get credit. I'm I'm on Josh's side that the sound design and the score, especially in moments like this, is so good. And and also the cinematography is stunning. I think that the sound design specifically is good. I think that the volume in our theater was so loud that the things that were intended to be jarring became annoyingly jarring. And I, I think could that, see that. Being and I think thing. that, for, at least that's the case. That was the case for me. I liked what they were trying to do. It's just for me, it was hitting me too hard for me to enjoy the experience the way I think it was intended to. Uh, the thing I hated most about the at least sound design is just the constant. Pretty much any time that there was a travel sequence, that had to be filled with blahs, which is it's doesn't make like it's stupid that you keep putting that in there all the time. It's we don't need to have that. I don't. Constantly. I don't think it is stupid. I think it's actually kind of inspired, especially because Not during most of the travel the sequences. Time. Well. It's usually when it's happening while it's going through the city, while someone's traveling through the city. And it's while we're also being berated with a constant display of advertisements and glowing lights. And it, it also felt happened like, when nothing was else on screen except for them going through like a scenic background well, when he was traveling. I, I liked I it because that. I thought it was – it gave the film a very strong sense of atmosphere. And it – especially when it com- – when it was going alongside of the aggressive advertisements and consumerist culture, I thought it was really interesting to get you immersed in that moment and what it would feel like to be driving through that city. I thought it worked really well. I can well. see it working as a auditory version of the visual barrage that you're getting. Yeah. I mean, that that's what I got out of it. I don't it, remember personally. specifically enough about the movie to say whether it happened at points where it was not that kind of barrage going on. And I can see how... If it was happening in like scenic nature things, that that would be annoying. But again, I don't specifically remember the incidents. It, to it happened. It happened too much for me to for like. I like the sound design throughout the entire movie, but that is one specific thing that happens way to me way too much in the movie oh, for man. their sound for the sound design. I like it just it. doesn't like when you keep when you do it like eighteen times in a row. Well, on a travel sequence, it's a little. It sounds pretty extreme. I don't do, think that happened. Do we have anything it to say? Do we have anything to say about him talking to Robin Wright, or can we jump to the girlfriend? Because I really want to talk well, about the girlfriend. Th- there was one last thing that happened in this kind of intro was they found the skeleton. Oh yeah, yeah that's which, a huge. That's which a is huge, pretty important. It and is honestly, important, but honestly, honestly, it's going to be kind of a hard movie to completely unpack because I mean, y'all covered the length, and that's true, but it's also dense, like. Everything that happens, there's a lot of detail, and a lot of it's think, very important. I think and, if we try to hit every single story beat that happens, it will be difficult, especially because we're not just having returned from it. So I think we can kind of do move the best the, we can. Yeah, just move right. through the movie and but kind of just to hit on it briefly. Yeah. You're right, though. The, we they should find bring a that skeleton. Up. At yeah. Sapper's farm, it's just mm-hmm. a box. We don't know what's inside of well, it until inside after it, they he find gets it's, back. Yeah, yeah, and it and it has scars of an emergency C-section. Well, we uh, find that out after the girlfriend scene is the reason is that, that was right. Yeah, because okay. we well, get. We I'm, have I'm, his, just, I'm just gonna hit on it real quick because yeah, yeah. we can sure. move on from it. But yeah. the, later on, they find out that it has signs of an emergency C-section, and they're about to leave it at that. But Kay. Our protagonist says, "Wait, you know," and he he does this movie's version of like the zoom and enhance kind of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, 
and they zoom down to like the molecular level and find a serial number on it, indicating that this is the skeleton of a replicant, mm-hmm. which everyone freaks out about because replicants should not be getting pregnant. Okay, how many people here knew that was Rachel right then? Me. I figured no. it. I, I really? didn't know for you a didn't. fact, but I assumed it was her. Okay, three quarters of us. I, I. Do, this is the thing that I don't like about a lot of the reveals in this movie. I see, and it. It's specifically this one is the worst, I think, because it takes us a long time to get from here where I have instantly assumed that this is Rachel to full on revealing, yes, it absolutely is Rachel. And I think that that is a problem because it's not an interesting question of whether or not she it's not played as an interesting question of whether or not this is Rachel. Yeah, but but also they kind of resolve that fairly quickly, don't they? Mm-hmm. They look no. up the serial number and then they confirm like, oh yeah, here's the here's the void comp test that was tied to this serial that, number that previously. Vo- getting oh, to that void like comp test, Deckard's doing it. Getting to that point is about twenty to thirty minutes because I remember specifically looking at my phone but and it, wondering how long it right, would take but to how get there. What's happened in between then? <laughs> Two. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think I think as far as a story, I think it gets there fairly quickly. Um, considering that I think pretty much the only real scene in between them discovering the serial number and him finding out that it's Rachel is, I think, his scene at home. They, they also the scene at home happens out, before that. They no, also, yeah, no, so I'm saying that's the one in between. Or like he, like it's again. This is it, why I don't want to get into specifics about that kind of thing. It took a thing. long, it took a long time for me as as a viewer. Like I have assumed this. We're treating this as some kind of reveal when to me it is not. But. The thing is, I'm starting to remember and put it together. Uh, this is a serial number that's pre-blackout, which I don't know if y'all glean this information, but the yeah. blackout was an event that got rid of most, if not, not all, tech-based records. Mm-hmm. And what survived is broken for the most part. Only physical copies of things like are actually present. And mm-hmm. those globe things actually function as what they would call a physical copy. Mm-hmm. And that's part of why it took them so long to get that information. Yeah. So like, in a way, maybe this does not answer the question about pacing, but it feels like that detail's necessary to pad it out a little bit because later it makes it make more sense when Deckard's like, I scrambled the records. I do like... Uh, I like the idea of the blackout. I think that's a cool detail. I like the the detail of Watch the little the orb. Watch the anime. Yeah, it oh. is awesome. Oh, is that what the it's about? The anime is about the blackout, oh. and there's more action in it than in any of the other movies. So if that's your thing, if you wish this had more action, it's pretty crazy. That does sound interesting. I, I would actually. That is an interesting concept. I would watch something said in that. That said. I just think it takes way too long, and the fact that it's treated like a reveal slows the pacing down for me because I have made this assumption so early, and because I'm correct, that just means that makes me feel like I'm going to be making correct assumptions about things that this movie is trying to tell me way too early. Well, I, I, think- I guess, but it doesn't. It doesn't even feel like a reveal. It being Rachel is a reveal to me outside of me knowing who Rachel is. You know what I mean? Like they they do the test and they're like, okay, so that's who this serial number is tied to. And who's she talking to? This is one of Deckard's records. All right, I need to find Deckard. Like, it feels none of the characters are like, this is Rachel. Yeah, but the, but the music, what? like, sweat, the music well, gets no, into but... it. It gets real, like, tight in on their faces of, like, oh, okay, you're supposed to know who this is because you're supposed to have watched Blade Runner because if you don't, this means nothing it's to you and you're not going to care. It's a reveal for the audience. It's not a reveal for the characters because none of them have any idea who Deckard or Rachel really oh, are. Exactly. That's what that's what but, I'm saying though. Is it doesn't feel like it's being treated as a reveal in the context of the movie. So I don't understand why it's a not bad to the character, thing, but, to but the it's audience, intended for it the is audience. Is very much a reveal. I don't know. I didn't really get that. But I, I but I also think that through this entire scene of when he's learning about uh, if if this actually is Rachel or not, um, we're also introduced to I think 
uh, is it Love and Love Jared? is the uh, is the assistant to, to Jared Leto. Yeah, Love is the one who walks him to the record. Correct. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and it's not some new guy. It's just literally Jared Leto. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I can see I this being Jared yeah. Leto's yeah. final years. Neander Wallace is yeah. that guy's name. Jared Leto. Got right. it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. So so we're introduced uh, very briefly, I think, to Wallace, and then also to uh, we're actually more introduced to Love, but I, I think. A little bit of what this, what these scenes are also supposed to kind of guide us to is not just to reveal that this is Rachel, but kind of give a little bit of um, no, like a nefarious feel for for it's to everybody give us that's an, working at Wallace. It's also to give us an idea of how big of a deal a pregnant replicant is, mm-hmm. because that's almost exclusively what Wallace is talking about during the entire scene is how well, he wants to figure this out. Well, that's a little later. I think what what you're ta- what does help sell that though is the way that this is treated because the the way that it goes from him trying to find this orb in the in the place, you know, the way that it get, jumps to that guy's pers- personal secretary handling this and the way that feels a little bit like she's not telling him everything mm-hmm. does help sell how important what he's looking for is. Yeah, I think I think this is not just a reveal that it's Rachel. It's, 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 it's it doesn't it's do building importance and building like it, it's sort of a nefarious nature right. of of what Wallace is actually wanting out of this situation. Right. And I would like to I say that's the most important part. I really like Wallace as a character. I think he's really interesting. I like his the creepiness of him. Like he is such a weird dude that it really works for me Especially and from the expression on Joss's face I can tell that he does not agree I I, I, I want to say it I want to choose my words because I think he is a very interesting character uh, for me I wish that he was more of the villain of this movie instead of love that is something I will because, agree with because for me love is the driving antagonist and and Wallace is kind of the creepy background character. And I, 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 I kind of think it's, he it's, is it almost the feels like a, in a lot of ways. Well, on. It, it almost feels like the um, like uh, episode seven, right? It almost feels like he's the Snoke to. Uh, what it is is he's the motivation for our real antagonist, which is love. Love he, he is, is the one that is constantly getting in the way of our protagonist. She's the one that has the most direct conflict with him, and our our protagonist never really faces off against Wallace, and so he isn't the antagonist as the way story structure usually right, works. Right, but we know, but we learn more about Wallace than we do love. Like, exactly. Lo- love, love is a replicant who's there to serve Wallace in whatever he needs. I think that we get. We get some here, from her. Here, here's the interesting but thing. Not to nearly me. as much as we learn about Wallace. That's true, but the things that we learn about Wallace do influence the way that we look at love and the way she reacts to him and to his orders, I think, are really interesting. They're subtle, and I don't want to, to read too much into them, but I think that it is an interesting way to come to understand our, our actual antagonist as love because we're learning not directly through her. Fun fact. The original actor who was supposed to play Wallace was the late David Bowie. How awesome would that have been? That would have worked. Oh, my gosh. I love yeah, David Bowie as an actor. I'm really sad he passed. <laughs> I do kind of think of Jared Leto as the poor man's David Bowie. So <laughs> That's what he is. <laughs> yeah. uh, what did we think of Jared Leto's performance? Because this seems to be great. Yeah. Consistently, the... it seems to be one of the more criticized elements of the movie. Really? What I've noticed. A I lot have, of people have... seem to be like, oh, he's just trying so hard to be weird. And I, I thought it was really I think good. It's... That's kind of for what the character is. Yeah. Like he a, is a guy that has literally a God complex. Yeah. And and is blind and like, but he's got these weird little robots that, that see, see for him. him. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah, That's like awesome. But oh. this is what I'll say. I I like his performance as the character. 
I do have a problem with the fact that he feels like a dropped plot thread because we don't deal with him. In in the original, like we have uh, Tyrell and he gets very decisively dealt with over the course of the movie. He's, he's a background motivation for characters in kind of a similar way that uh, Love is to this guy. Um, uh, in that, in that he is someone who has created the situation that is driving this, um, this conflict. Yeah. But I, I don't like that we don't get to see like him mad that you know he's not going to get his, get to see Deckard or something or whatever he wanted to do with that. Like, there's a lot of things in this movie that I feel like almost might have been setups for future Blade Runner movies, and I'm not comfortable with that. Right. I, 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 I don't. I didn't get quite the same reaction, but. Maybe it's because I ended up really liking where the movie ended up going, but I was also—I'll admit that I was surprised that he wasn't in the movie more. I'll say that much. I was—I was a little surprised that he wasn't a more major character to play. But with the story they end up telling, I think it really makes a lot of sense that he is kind of a dropped thread in that regard. It—it does on a certain level. It would be. You would basically have to add another action scene at the end of the movie, maybe to to like include him somehow. It, it, but it, would, it would be have to be like this huge set piece because like how how are you even gonna set that moment up? You know, like it, unless you literally rehash what happened in the first Blade Runner. And the like, important thing is um, that our main character K doesn't have a direct conflict with him. He has yeah. sort yeah. of a exactly. he has a conflict with with love, like as I've said. And so that's just it's a really cool aspect of the movie and I wanted more of it but I feel like it's set in this movie to be set up for some future movie about a robot war between the replicants that we saw in the underground versus him and I I'm yeah. not I'm not on board with just setting up another movie through this movie instead of just having all this movie stuff tied well together. Well, and well, maybe that's just the the culture that we're in with all the Marvel movies and the way that they set up their things and maybe this is just intended to be background for this world and if that's the case that might hit me a little differently I, we'll, we'll we'll get to the some of those plot elements in a moment um do y'all have any more thoughts about wallace or I, uh, I i liked that he was kind of treated like a minor character even though he was kind of a driving influence through love but like i don't need to see an old blind guy get killed to to for that well, to matter to me like we did with tyrell it's i don't necessarily like, need to get see him get killed i just want him to be more involved in what's happening since he is the driving motivator of what's happening he does play a very major role in a later scene and that is very important very to the theme of the movie so he is relevant but he doesn't end up being one of the i guess you would call it a, a catalyst for change in the world by the end he's already done that by creating the the patents for synthetic farming and by buying out all the patents for tyrell company corporation right and outside of that all he's doing is trying to figure out how to do what's already happened you know i let's go ahead and move on a little bit we can, can talk we, a little more can about talk that about uh can we talk about joy because we've gone over girlfriend. she's the girlfriend yes that's exactly where she i wanted to go is fucking great no i love this not. character oh my what yeah. i am incredible why? that was such a great plot thread i am that the themes of the movie so wonderfully i'm not nearly as enthusiastic as chris but you are wrong josh she is a great part of the movie she is fantastic care. i don't care about her then okay that's why why, still why, a great part why of the movie. is she so compelling for you she's really compelling for me because i think that she does a great job of surmising everything that makes blade runner Blade Runner through the lens of our protagonist Kay and as the audience we see Joy as the significant other and she is very believable as a real person even though at the forefront we are completely 
in understanding that she's a hologram. She she's she's by no means real. But in Blade Runner, there are replicants. Replicants by many def definitions are not human they are built and the movie's whole premise about while well, this replicant got pregnant you know this thing was born does it have a soul i don't know there's types of questions that the movie asks and by the end of joy's arc uh but well rather when joy dies later uh i was in full belief like wow like i, I think she she really did love Kay somehow she's but then we see the advertisement later and we realize she's basically a sex toy like that product is purchased to make you feel like you matter and on all of those advertisements it says you know what you want to see and what you want to hear it makes us question everything about experience and 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 uh, what it means to feel something and encounter something real. And she's such a cool vehicle for that. To more directly answer your question, the reason that I personally find her to be such an excellent character and so fascinating is that I have I never once questioned her humanity. She, to me, from the moment she stepped on screen, felt like a real person in every way that mattered. The only difference was that she doesn't have an actual physical body. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is fascinating, especially with the places that they take that idea throughout the movie. I think that does an excellent job. And I, th I agree with Chris. It sums up the, a lot of the themes of the movie I excellently. Agree. Yeah. I, I, it also I, I gives you, our... So, so let me explain why I didn't enjoy this character nearly as much as you guys did. Because and, – and I think – the reason that I had such a problem with it is because I was really attached to this character from the at the beginning when we first get introduced to her because it seemed it seemed like this is going to be the mirror of Rachel and Decker's relationship from the original Blade Runner. Like, what does it really mean to love someone else or something else? You know, like it, it explores these very human concepts through the lens of these are things that have been made to be purchased like these are objects right but are they really and and i thought that was really really interesting until he brings home the present which is the little like oh you can go wherever you want now and it's and and i think so this pretty much cool. right away whoa, whoa, hold on hold on <laughs> yeah because that hold is on, pretty no, much no, right hold away. on okay. because i i thought i thought it was really cool and i and rick you and i talked about how we could see a lot of the turns coming from a mile away I, I think and I see where soon, you're going right as now. As <laughs> soon as he per as soon as he brought that out, it's okay. She's going to die in this movie, and that's the reason that they're going to build up this relationship. And for me, that ruined what was a really cool concept. I would I would have appreciated it if she's already able to go with him different places, and then maybe when his ship gets shot down and she's all glitching out, that that's the moment where he just loses her and he doesn't know if he's ever going to see her again or something like that. I but can for see me, where you're as from. soon it's it it's the smoking gun like as soon as he pulled that out i'm like well dang it i, I already know what's going to happen with this character now and I, for me that combined with the incredibly long runtime just made it feel like you're wasting my time because you're setting because you've already told me that what's going to happen with this character and so any development between k and what is it joey or joey joy 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 between k and joy feels cheapened because of that. And for me, it was incredibly aggravating. I, I actually hit that the opposite way. And maybe it's that the, the point where I realized she was going to die was later in the movie when he takes it out and she says, you know, hey, if you know, hey, you, need, be to careful kind you of need to delete me from here, yeah. I'll only be in well, this. And, and to be clear, that I think, no, 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 no. Sorry, continue. I, it's, it's, it's when he takes 
her on the stick up to the roof and they're talking in the rain. That's okay. that's the moment that I okay. oh man, that's because such a good scene. I think that's it, a, it is. We'll but get again, there. Let me, it, let me, there's yeah. reasons for why I didn't like it. Yeah. Sorry, continue. They got a good enough idea of where you were actually right, talking. Right, go ahead and cut that whole dis- digression. Anyway. The moment that I figured that out was the moment when he takes it out and she says, you know, if, if anything happens to you here, you know, you'll you'll get killed. And she's like, I know, but I need to be with you for this and you can't leave me here. They'll find you that way. And that That's is about a where it huge, happened for me as well. That is a huge dead sign. I think that anyone who doesn't realize she's going to die is, is – She should have been wearing a red shirt when she said <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. But, but, but that said, matter? the like, reason I... – well, I, I have a big point I want to make here. Um, but for me, maybe because it happened so much later – I was really invested in this character, and so when she does die later, I was really hit emotionally by that, and that is a big part of what helps sell me on Kay's character, because honestly, I'm not that into Ryan Gosling as an actor, which I, I brought up in the Spoiler Free podcast. Oh, he's wonderful. I, I do not agree. <laughs> um, I think he is the perfect guy to play an emotionless robot, um, but the thing for me like with La La him- Land. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Like, well, no, in La La Land, you he plays, seen it. He plays. I know. I'm just starting fights. <laughs> in La La Land, he plays an emotionless robot that's a jerk. No, stop. Um, <laughs> Sorry, continue. Right. But dang it, I was okay. Yeah, see, see what, what happens, Johnson, Chris. <laughs> I forget your point. <laughs> Worth it. But because of of I was able to to buy into Kay's character through her, I think that she's incredibly important to the movie, and that. If you took her out or or changed that to me, I think you would lose an, a massive amount of the movie, which, you know, I think a big part of this movie's runtime does need to go away. But I think that she is possibly, at least to me, the most important part. Like, I would sooner lose Deckard as a character than I would her. Well, and I think that's just a different way of us reacting to the knowledge that she's going to die because – Knowing that so early on makes it very hard for me to get invested yeah. in her character. It's it would be like if, like Ben said, you know, if she was wearing a red shirt from the, you know, it's like mm-hmm. if pick any other main character. If you know, if Darth Vader is suddenly in love with female stormtrooper number twelve, <laughs> you're like, that's probably not gonna last, right? <laughs> and and it's hard for you to get invested in that relationship. But, but I even... thought it was a really cool concept, but. In a movie where it feels like so much is dragging it out, something that I'm not invested in just feels like a waste of time. But even in the context of the movie, if he had put her in the thing and walked out with her and it got crushed, if the antenna in their mainframe at their house is still active, she's not dead. So even in the context of the movie— But I can see where he would get the idea from that I guess, but like— well, no, for for me, like I was sort of along the lines of where Rick was going with it, where when it was clearly spelled out, if you if anything happens to this, you will die. That's yeah, that's an obvious like red shirt moment. But that doesn't change the fact that it hurt when she died. I hated it, and then it upended that later when we sort of get that question like, and eh, does it really matter? Was she really even really a person? And that's I, really important for I, Kay's character. I definitely the movie. get where, but I didn't care. I, I get saw where, it coming a million miles away. But but, can, but does, can you not? Except how her relationship with Kay and her dying in the movie is important for Kay's arc. Because that is important because she functions as the voice in Kay's head that spells out that he wants to be special in spite of the fact he, that he's a replicant. Let, let, let me say something here. In any movie, you can have any trope and any trope can work in any movie and any trope cannot work in any movie. And the difference is going to be very heavily on whether or not you're able to buy into it. And if you can't buy into it from such an early stage, even if it is extremely important to the movie, it's going to hurt your experience, especially when it's something that the movie leans so heavily on. Yeah. And I can so I can definitely see where Josh is coming from, and I can also definitely see where Chris is coming from. It's a heavily, extremely important part of the movie. And 
if he couldn't buy into it, that sucks, man. I mean, and 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 yes, I can see why that would be important to you, but that's not the experience I had, and so I disliked her character because of it. Yeah. I, it, okay. it, to me, it was a waste of time in the movie. Like the whole scene where he later like f- they find Whoa. ways of being. It's we're a gonna waste have to talk time we're gonna, because we're you gonna, she would die. Like I that's would what love I'm, to unpack that. I want to get to that scene we on can its own. Unpack <laughs> that, yeah. But but man, that I was like. TikTok, like get to it. I am, I am complete. That is the scene that I like probably most in the entire movie. I think it's the most interesting and the most layered. Okay, well, binge, if we're I, I, binge. Why don't you tell us what you think of Joy? I'm, I'm very middle on the ground, like middle of the ground between like you guys thinking it's like she's an amazing character and Josh saying it's like I did not care about her because I knew she was going to die. Is because like as soon as he brings that home, I was like, okay, she's gonna die. It's gonna happen. So you picked up and, on a, in that first scene oh, yeah. where they're oh, having yeah. dinner. Oh yeah! As okay. soon as she had the ability to like that stick was essentially what was con- like now she was a part of. I was like, she's gonna die or something bad is gonna happen and she's going to be used against him. And that's why they end up deleting her later on in the movie from the house because she's like, oh, if you, if you don't delete me, right, like, yeah. they'll know they'll mm-hmm. know everything. Yeah. They'll know everything. So you have to delete me here. But you know what that means? Yeah. And so it's just like okay, either. A, she's gonna die, we, or yeah. she. But it's just like, okay, cool. Like, let's get to the point. I don't need to keep rehashing the importance of Joy because I know she's going to die. And I was like, I understand like the importance for her character. I liked her, but it's just like, see, okay, those scenes let's... that enforce her importance to Kay are important because to me they give it weight when she does get killed. Well, and, but, and, I, and, 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 but I can, saw can it I make coming. a point? Can I make a point yeah. that's kind of counter to what I've already said? Sure. Um. It's really interesting that Chris, you brought up at the end that she's, you know, she's whatever you want. So was any of that authentic? Because that's the sense that I got from it throughout. Even though I wasn't invested, I could still say, you know, I I don't care about her character, but I think it's an interesting concept because that was another reason I didn't buy their relationship was because they brought up so many times, you know, when he goes and talks to love, she's like, Oh, so you've purchased one of our products, right? Like they they really hash it out that this is this is something that he has bought and has been sold to him. And because of that, I thought it was interesting that I questioned the authenticity of their relationship throughout it too. Now, I think that's a definitely an intentional part of it. I, I, I think the way that that scene that you're talking about where she says you bought one of our products hit me a different way because it's two of their products talking to each other about another product. And I've kind of, because probably because I've seen Blade Runner, bought already into the idea that Kay is a person and so it's not a stretch for me to imagine that Joy is also a person. Yeah, I mean you gotta you gotta remember that the whole theme of the movie is like what does it really mean to be a human? Do you have to be born to be a human? Like what makes consciousness consciousness? And we're following a main character who has motivations and wants. He he clearly has wants because he bought a wife, basically. Yeah. Like, that's what this thing is. He, even with no one else around him, he finds a need for companionship. And the fact that that gets taken away from him and the movie, to your point, like, clearly spells out it's a product. People buy it because they wish they had a and, friend, and whatever, a companion. And whatever they whatever, – whatever reason they're purchasing it, it fills that need. But yeah. in that same world, as plausible as it is for a replicant – to seem like a human in every sense of the word, is it that much of a stretch to believe that someone could sell a consciousness? That someone could sell an AI that could be in your home and although it's everything you want, 
can it not also develop real feelings for you? That's the thing that I think makes it work so well. Right, I but, feel but that but I could rewatch it. Is for it to develop real feelings for you. Exactly. Well, that's does. The, like, exactly. It's, it's such a weird idea, and I think it's something that could only be explored by a movie like this. Oh, okay. And I think that really that perfectly sums up my feelings about it. It's a fascinating idea, and for me, a very unenthusiastic character. Joy is an unenthusiastic. For for, for me, for me. I'm not invested in her character at all, although I am invested in the concept that surrounds it. I I think part of it's that from the moment that she showed up, what I was suspicious was going to happen because he got her the thing that lets her go anywhere. I thought her arc was going to be about her wanting to experience the world more fully and like struggling with the fact that she's a hologram. So the fact that she ends up just being a vessel for Kay's sorrow and then to sort of flesh out this idea of, oh, well, like she may not have even been really real at all surprised me. So it may have hit me harder for that reason as well. So let's move forward. We talked about Joy a lot. What do we want to talk about next? Um, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> a lot of shit happens. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, let's see. They... Robin, Robin Wright's character is kind of important in these next couple scenes, and I think we can kind of take this movie in chunks. I think that might be the yeah, best that way might, to, that to might make be it best. work. Uh, I think she's really great there, in this there, movie. There's, there's another kind of important scene, at least for how for setting up maybe a big twist that comes later, which is, um, Robin Wright's character sends Kay back to investigate the farm again, and he finds the little wooden horse. Yeah. And then, and or then he we finds get to the date. Yeah, he finds the date, and then we see his memories. Mm-hmm. So, do you guys want to go into that a little bit? I mean, what, there's, what are your thoughts on that? I don't really have much to say about it, honestly. Like we, we, you know, this horse becomes very important, but I don't have anything to say about the scene that uh, where he gets it. I mean, I have more to say about it with in connection to Robin Wright's. Do you character feel like the horse is very important? Yes, yes, I it, do. It, it absolutely is important because like it's it, a catalyst for most of Kay's journey through this movie. I, I feel like it's important to me because it is important on selling the audience an idea, and the idea is the big twist of the movie. And I liked the big twist of the movie. I get the sense from what I've talked to you guys that you guys did not care for it. And I think again, it comes down to. I, I, I enjoy twists that I don't see coming, and if I can see it coming from down the road, then it's not as fun. What exactly that did you makes, see coming? Which, that makes sense which part me. of the twist? Assuming, okay, when we talk about the twist, we mean that uh, he is not actually Deckard's kid. And right. to me, I oh. did not see that coming. I didn't see that coming at, at all. all. Really? Not no. at all. Be- I thought- not, e- not even when they were like, oh, wow, there's two with the same name. Da, 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 like that kind of thing. I assumed he was the one that they, lived they, there. They you thought clearly, that the other one was the yeah, fake one. Yeah, they, the one that, they, the one that they, they explained died. I thought that either A, there wasn't a fake, there really were two kids, and one of them did die, or, you know- it's, there was a fake, and he was the real one. I mean, based on the information we have in the movie at that point, they clearly spell out that the girl died. But later in the movie, we get the hint from Deckard that he had scrambled the records, which is enough of a justification for information we had previously to have been a sort of a lie to the audience that I bought into it. I, I don't mean, like I when movies that... lie to me, but I like it when movies give me enough information where I feel like kind of dumb for not figuring it out on my own. You know what I mean? Like, oh, how did I not see that coming? See, That's exactly how I felt. I assumed – that uh, it was saying that, you know, he'd scrambled the records. This meant that 
how, for whatever reason, they were allowing Kay to be and do stuff despite the fact that he they didn't have any idea where he'd come from. I, I assume that's a situation that a lot of replicants are in. Got that. I, I honestly, the twist that he could even be the lone like uh, son of the replicants that was also a great twist for me. Like it, it was one that I sort of started to see. Like okay, oh shit, I bet he's gonna be the 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 replicant that he's hunting. And even though that did not surprise me as much later, I was really into that just because of the conflict that it inspires. Because because we know that these replicants are programmed to obey, so I don't know how he's going to respond to this. Is he? Is his self-preservation protocols going to take over where he he can't follow orders? What's that? What's how's that going to take place? Or is he going to have to find some creative way to make everyone happy? I was super invested in both of those moments. I also really like that. Uh, we're sold this guy is a chosen one and he's not because that's a big trope that happens in a lot of movies yes. you know the chosen one, awesome. the guy that's the special big thing, and he's not that. And I really like that. And the reason that I don't mind that I didn't, I couldn't see that twist coming from any of the information that I picked up is because to me, that put me in the skin of Kay. It put me in the same situation as him throughout the movie. And so when he finds out that he's not, I'm experiencing that shock the same way that he is. I also like that when that moment happens, the sort of the cinematic language of the moment doesn't feel like it's hitting it super hard. It almost seems like a passing thought for a moment, which is like, yeah, and that's why we're trying to find the girl. And there's just this like silence. And he's just like, girl. And it took me like several moments to be like, oh, shit. It can't oh, really? be him. Yeah, I was super silence, like, what? <laughs> that, I, I took that silence in a completely different way. To me, that silence is like a gigantic atom bomb exploding there hitting you really hard with well, it's not him <laughs> but the scene like held on that shot for so long that yeah, like i mean no, was... i mean, i'm used to like movies where when a big twist happens it'll like do a super close-up on yeah. the character's eyes and then like a tear will show up and they'll be like it's not possible and a lot of overreacting it wasn't, it wasn't overly this, dramatic yeah and that's <laughs> not what this was it was that. very uh -huh. low key and yeah. i love that about this movie that one of the things that i really admire about this movie is it's very grand in its sense of scale and in its sense of world building and its desire to create a world that is beautiful and vibrant and also dark. But it did not feel like it had to be overbearing in the way that a lot of blockbuster movies are. It didn't feel like it needed to give a, an adrenaline shot to the previous Blade Runner. I like that it, it takes its time. And I y'all have complained about the length, so maybe this will be one of the big points <laughs> of disagreement. But I like that it was a little slower paced. I like that it let us feel the moments as they were happening. And that, to me, that was really unique. And I don't get that experience a lot in movies, and I like it. I, I also like that for a number of scenes where I was like, like, for example, when he's flying through the city. I was like, I like that they're letting us linger on this. Yes. Now, you know, some of us have said they didn't like how often that happened, but but I I still appreciate that when he's flying through the city, we really get a sense of scale for how big this is and and what's going on, and that happened a number of times throughout the movie, especially in a lot of the more artistic shots, like when he's going to new to Las Vegas and yeah. that kind of thing. For me, again, I I've I've already said there are certain parts of the movie that I just wasn't invested in, and so the 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 show the running time of the movie. I wish it had been cut back by removing a lot of the pieces that I didn't care about, which I, I get, I get that folks don't agree with me on what those scenes or are right. what those arcs are. But personally, I really did enjoy 
the artistic scenes and the and the scenes that let us get a sense of this world. I'd pr- I pretty much agree. What I would say is that I don't have an issue with the pace. I have an issue with the length. There's a lot of big parts of that that I think there's pieces of this thing that I think could be cut and it would help the movie because I wouldn't feel my my butt going numb. You know, in the tw- in the could, second and a half hour. Could I ask it this way? Do you guys think that length alone? Not things you would like cut out, but length alone as a thing is something worth criticizing the movie for. Genuine questions. Yes. I think that any story can overstay its welcome no matter how much I'm enjoying it. There's just a certain – the way that your brain is programmed just by experiencing stories to enjoy stories expects you to go along with a certain pace and with a certain series of events. And if the movie is not hitting those things, it's going to strike you in a different way. I think you can certainly enjoy longer things, but even stories that I'm really, really into, like, for example, the long cuts of The Lord of the Rings, I never want to sit down and watch those extended cuts because it just takes so long, even though I really like those stories. And I think that's a big part of what's going on here. Even I, the theatrical cut of Return of the King is probably around the same runtime as this movie. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. But, but, <laughs> but I think that there are, I think that there's certainly a a cap to how, how long a movie is really inter- enjoyable. What but is I, that but cap? I, but well, I don't know, and I think that I think that's subjective person to person but i think that length itself shouldn't be shouldn't be the determining factor of quality i think it's what you do with it right because i mean we've got plenty of examples of movies we've watched on the podcast that were a full hour shorter than blade runner that felt much much longer yes. that's biodome <laughs> sure like i think that's funny because i find your reaction to biodome funny go listen to that podcast if you haven't but but that's a perfect example where that movie felt that movie probably felt way longer to you than blade runner 2049 did. i y'all are gonna think this is crazy but i didn't even realize how long the movie was till i looked at my watch well, and, and like that's, i and that's straight up like was like oh shit it's 10 30 mm-hmm. like this is yeah. late and i I, I was i was even like sitting through the credits before i did that because i was just like beside yeah. myself i think i think it's quality over quantity i think it, i think that you know i'm not gonna say that there's no length that's in that's that's out of bounds, right? Because if you sit me down and say, hey, this is an eight-hour movie, I'm going to say, I don't care how good this is. I'm not sitting and watching an eight-hour movie. But but I definitely think that it's about the quality of what you're watching. I, I agree with that. And I think – but the issue that I take with it is this. If you are enjoying a movie, it doesn't matter how long it is. But if you're not 100% invested in the movie – because I really do like this movie in a lot of ways, but it felt really long. And I think that is – that it's – length is not necessarily going to add anything to a movie – but it can certainly hurt it. I would say that, like, I honestly really like the way that Josh put it um, because what I'd go back to is some of our, like, Transformers reviews that we did, right, where there were several conversations we had about, like, how long the movie is. But even then, I I remember thinking, like, well, yeah, but it's because it's bad. Yeah. Like, if it were a better movie, I would be a little more okay with it being this long, but all the pieces in it are so boring. I remember explicitly us all agreeing that it's just such a boring movie, the last one especially, that it didn't even need to be as long as it was because it was so boring throughout and so uh, although i'm disappointed that there were elements of the movie you did not like josh that we've already talked about i could understand that if you do not like them that the the runtime might just feel like an extra factor it feels like an additional insult if you don't like things in the movie that are in there that you didn't need but that wasn't the case for me i didn't feel like it was that to me it didn't feel long at all because i was really enjoying it well and to to me the issue is extraneous scenes like for example the scene where he just finds a beehive and sticks his hand in it for no reason like that's 
probably a full minute or so, and you could just cut that, and nothing about the movie would change at all. It's for so me. cool, though. Right? It's not. I like, like the bee scene. I, I actually really hate it because it raises so many questions of like, why in the hell is there a bee? It feels like it's, accidental Wes Anderson. It's like, like it's, why it's is it there? Like, what is it doing? How are they alive? I have so many questions. The replicate about that bees. That, it, it would be almost like in the original theatrical release of Blade Runner. If for whatever reason, there was a. A uni- paper origami unicorn just sitting outside of his his apartment. As soon as I'm they not leave. agreeing Ooh. with you there. That actually does mean something <laughs> well, in that movie. Okay. Oh, also not the original theatrical. Which, maybe oh, we should original. talk about okay. Origins, original, original release. Original well, hold on, because because we're gonna we're gonna bring it back, bringing it back around but, to the events of the movie. A couple things happen now that he's got this date. Yeah. Right. Um, he goes and is this is this when he goes and talks to Edward James almost? I think so because he worked with Edward James almost. So that was the next thread that they wanted to hit up. And I really like his inclusion in this movie. Deckard, Deckard uh, worked with Edward James almost. Okay, so so it's yes. not yeah. so it's not that yet because first he has to go to the scrapyard. Yeah, well, he also has to talk to Robin Wright, which we were talking about talking about. <laughs> sure. Oh, that's right. Man, there's a lot of movie to discuss. Like I said, yeah. it's super dense. Like, there's a lot of information to unpack here. And I appreciate that for that reason, because I feel like all the pieces seem to fit together really nicely. And it, it I can't think personally of a lot of moments that I would consider plot holes. I think there's some information that's left open-ended. But I would not – I think that the fact they went to this level of detail saying, all right, now he would go here. Then he would go there. It prevents us from having a moment where we're like, how did he get that information? You I, know what I mean? I, I do agree with that. There is not a lot in this movie that I would call – I can't think of any plot holes off the top of my head. Maybe they exist. I don't know. But there are definitely scenes that I think could be cut and nothing would be lost. For example, the B scene. Or we don't actually have to meet the hooker bot before he has you know, his robo-girlfriend invite her up. Like that's not important to the movie. I didn't gain any more information for that, except that she was sort of in the pocket of someone. But I get that immediately when she puts a tracer in his pocket. It it provides her with a good introduction, and it also provides us with a brief foreshadowing of who this mysterious older woman is. But what I'm saying is that it's not important specifically. Like you could could take it out, and the movie would not be significantly damaged by not knowing that ahead of time. Not significantly damaged, maybe, but I like that it's there. And I do like that it's there. I would like it as a deleted scene. I'll put it that way. Like, if I watched it, if I watched the movie, enjoyed it, and then was like, I really want to see more of it. There's deleted scenes. I wonder if those are interesting. I would find that one interesting. It's just hard for me to believe that her later scene, I would not be like, wait, who the hell's that person? Is she just a a hooker? And then she shows up again later, and I'd be like, wait a minute. She was a a replicant the whole time? I I like that we're gradually worked into it with that extra scene. Yeah, there's no big, earth-shattering details that we need for the rest of the movie to make sense, and it just sort of pads out the tone of the movie but i like that it does that and to me that is important and in a movie that is to me very overstuffed with padding you need to take out some of that padding even if it's good padding i mean to me as a story writer i'm currently in the process of shortening a book by a third of the book that i wrote and there's things that i really want to be in that book that just are not needed and need to be taken out for that length so i can completely sympathize with what you're saying but i think this is an area that theoretically could be cut and not much be lost and the movie to me at least would be very improved by the length being shorter right and i think this is something that i told you as you were leaving the theater rick was this fe- a, a whole lot of the scenes that pad out this movie feel like things that just in the in the writer's room fleshing out what goes on in this universe because really that's both blade runners the original and this one are the story of events that are taking place in this new world that exists 
right? And I, and the world itself is almost as big a character as any of the characters that we're following. Um, and to me, it felt like a whole lot of the padding was, hey, we've talked about the way that this world works. These are all really cool things. Let's throw all of them in the movie. Yeah. And it's like, no, look, that's cool and all, but you need to give us a con- a coherent and concise story. And trim off, trim the fat, right? Like, get rid of the things that are unnecessary, even though they're cool. There's a reason that a common piece of writing advice is kill your babies. These are the babies. These these kinds of things that are so cool, but you and you really want them, but they don't actually necessarily serve the ultimate purpose of the story. Maybe they can go. Yeah. Let's I, let's move no, on. I, oh, I, unless Ben has something to I, say, he I, he's been quiet for a minute. I, I I'm kind of on Chris's side. Um, I think a lot of the things that happen in this movie we don't get in movies very much anymore and i think a lot of the actual scenes where it seems like okay he's stalling here for no reason like but it's still very compelling and keeps me interested it was only until i actually like either one of you two mentioned like what time it was that i really was like oh my it's only eight o'clock like it's only been an hour into this. It movie. was your Chris has to pee moment. Exactly. Of the movie. Yeah. yeah. It was. It was the oh crap! I have to pee, and it's like oh, it, like. But I was in the movie, and then I I realized like you know, after another like hour and a half of watching the movie, I was like back in it and didn't realize another hour and hour and a half had passed. But it was still just something that was just like, okay, like I don't need to see this five minute travel sequence. I know that's a little bit. hyperbole but we don't need to see him like traveling from point a to point b even though the scene looks really good we don't need a five minute sequence of that we can do it in half or even a fifth of the time in the interest of keeping the podcast from feeling that way let's move on to one other thing that i just want to touch on quickly robin wright like yes so (laughs) this scene robin wright (laughs) (laughs) we will eventually talk about her i promise even if it's after the credits so so, uh we're going to basically talk about how she's the mouth for like what the pregnancy means to the world because i think that's the biggest thing from her scene partly that but the other thing that i was going to talk about is that i get a sense from her that she has some level of affection for Kay. I agree. And that to me is extremely important for selling him as a person. Because again, this whole movie is about personhood, as as Chris has said. I'm not saying I'm not trying to make a big thing about it. I don't mean that she like really, really cares about him a lot. I think she cares about him though, on a certain level. Maybe even just the moment the the amount that you would care about for a a person that you are managing as a boss of a company. But No, to me, she she like finds she's attracted to him. Okay, maybe it's that, but to me, there's enough in there that she has, she is giving him a level of personhood, and that is important to me, again, because it's about whether or not these robots are people. Yeah, I I, I definitely think that's part of it. I, I also think that, I mean, it, it definitely plays into her later scenes where she basically lets Kay go. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the only deductions you can come to is that even though Kay is also her job, like she needs to take care of K. She likes K enough. She's like, all right, I'll give you some time to get out of the city. But in like an hour, I can't do anything else. Um, I also really like this scene because I think she does a really efficient job of convincing the audience of how important that pregnancy is. And basically explaining how this situation is unprecedented and it would basically shake the foundations of what society's built on, which is basically everyone's on the same page. Replicants aren't people. But if a replicant can give birth, like what do you do with that thing that just got born? That's going to create so many sociological questions and it is not going to be good for a stable society. I mean, more importantly, that's part of the reason that replicants don't 
overthrow people is that there's a limited number of them and they cannot replenish their numbers yeah. at all. They literally so, need actual humanity for there to be more of them at all. Yeah. But if they can be born, then they are their own thing and they can be in charge of themselves in a lot of ways. Yeah, I. that's pretty much all I wanted to say about it. Do you guys have anything? I up until the exact point where she gives him like 48 hours to like just do whatever he wants to do. I was just like, okay, he's like the best blade runner that she's had. And she's like, you do a really good job and is like, try, like being kind of faux friendly with him. No, what, um, what about the scene where she's flirting with him? And then he's like, Hey, what if, what would happen if I finished off this bottle of liquor? And he's like, I think it's time you head back to the office so I can do my job. And she's like, and then she's like, disappointedly like and like sets down the bottle of liquor and leaves but even that is to me giving her give her giving him personhood she's giving a chance for consent like you don't do right, that to but a, that's my to point a... is she very clearly has some level of attraction to him well the the what i got out of that scene and this can just be just a different way that we each saw the scene is like what are you going to do if i just finish off this entire bottle like it's yours but what are you going to do about it like you're still a replicant like that's that's sort of the feeling i got from it and i know understand like that if that wasn't the way it was intended but I, that that could be both i it actually think i actually think either of those still supports my point you don't care if your robot servant that's just a robot like if you take its things it doesn't have things you have a robot that you allow to pretend to have things but that's not the way that she's treating it She also gives him a salary. Like she pays him. They make that clear. And he uses that money to go buy the the Joy Alexa or whatever it is. Which Uh, is different from like they're meant to be like a slave colony kind of thing. Like replicants were were created as slaves. Yeah. I mean they just – they still are. Like that's what happens when you have to accept any order given to you. You're a slave. They use a lot of slave imagery but it's almost a little more like a caste system I think in this universe. Either way. I mean yeah. yeah, They both work. So. Yeah. I I think it's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I think that she worked very well for her purpose in the movie. Yeah. I I liked her more as like – Telling us like how serious the situation was, right? Uh, more She's so definitely the rem- mouth for the plot. Ex- like, yeah, and and like kind of a human perspective yeah. on what this means, mm-hmm. which we've already talked about. So I don't really, but I yeah. didn't see anything more from her character other than that um, throughout the entire movie. The okay, so we I think we can skip ahead at this point and jump to Deckard. Is there anything else that you guys want to talk about that oh, happens the, before the, we talk the about the orphanage? Him? Is pretty important. I mean, I, it's important to the plot of the movie, but it's not like nothing happens there I mean, that makes me super invested in things. I, I he the, finds the horse. Like that's pretty critical. Oh no, like, it, I'm saying it's plot important. Yes, I have nothing to say about it. Oh, I just I, I thought it was awesome. No, I I loved that whole sequence. I loved how like even going to like the book where he where we see the pages torn out. It's just another little Easter egg that's going down this rabbit hole where it's like I cannot find a single lead. And but they're actually all leads. If you realize that Deck once he realizes that Deckard scrambled the records, they're all pieces of that puzzle. Even just the fact that those things are missing and the fact that he found that wooden horse. Yeah, it was a very long scene, but I was glad that it was long because it really drove up the tension for me. And I was like, how is he going to respond if that damn horse is in that furnace? I thought it was a great reveal. I I didn't feel like it was a great reveal because this is another thing that I saw coming a million miles away. It's going to be there. What I do like about this scene in hindsight is that in his memory, we see that he has hair. Or at least the person that he thinks he is has hair. Mm -hmm. None of the boys in this orphanage have hair. 
That's a oh, thing. that is a cool detail. And it it's it, it's the one thing that thinking back on the movie made me go, oh yeah, that definitely could not have been him, and I didn't pick up on that at the time. But other than that, I mean, I, like I said, it's a cool scene. I like it. It's fine. Whatever. It oh. takes a little too long for me. I I just I I disagree with the point that. All the boys, all the other boys didn't have hair. So well, you're wrong. You, that is a factual piece of the movie. Okay, if you'd let me finish, just because they don't have hair doesn't mean that that character in that moment is most definitely not a boy. And that's yeah, and a, maybe it's not the same orphanage either. That looks exactly the same and has all the same details. It's that's not the point I'm trying to make. It's an intentional creative choice. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's no, but pretty but clear what it. Yes, but still, it's not something that's like. Oh, just because all the like all the other people it's don't have It's a clue have... to who he is in the movie. Like well, how do you take it any other way? It has to be an intentional choice in the movie. Well, yes, but I don't I'm no, I'm saying whatever. Like, well, why is it bad for you? Like, like you it doesn't make any, that it's it bad. doesn't make a difference to me whether if all the other boys have hair or don't have hair or whatever. It doesn't like it doesn't signify anything would it to have me. made a difference if all the boys were wearing blue shirts and all the girls were wearing pink shirts and in the memory the kid had a pink shirt would that have would have that would that have indicated to you that it was a girl because I mean, that's no, because that's what this is and well, and if your answer is no, no it, it could have been a boy in a pink shirt then okay i guess we disagree but to me that's an intentional creative choice that allows the audience if they're paying attention to pick up something about this memory well do all the boys th- that are in the orphanage upstairs all have no hair yes no i yes well, why is I this such a big it, deal but... for you to criticize like it's a, it's, it's a cool little it's thing that's no, clearly intentional it's, like it's, it's, it's i feel why I'm criticizing it is because I feel like I was lied to about this big reveal at the end of the movie. I was lied to about the entire first, like up until the big reveal that it's not actually him. It was a lie that it, uh, that they were trying to say that it was him throughout the entire first part of the movie. You were misled. Like the movie intentionally attempted to tell you that from, from the visual film language was giving you hints. Yeah, this is him, but they were also, and this is one reason that reveal doesn't bother me, is that there are details like this that if you're really, really sharp, you can pick up and go, oh, okay, he's not. I, I feel I, like details like that make it an excellent noir detective experience. And I also think that, um, and I mean, I didn't even catch that one. I think it's really cool in retrospect. But uh, like, also, I think the fact that we were kind of lied to is good for this specific story because what Kay experiences when he realizes that it's not him is the same thing the audience experiences, which is immense disappointment, which in, which plays right into the person who's sort of talking to his uh, hands where she's like, you thought it was you. We all did. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing what we're doing because we realize that we have actual wants. We have we have an actual personhood. And that desire to be special is our humanity. And no one can take that from us. And that's cool. If, if the first movie it's... had first half of the movie had lied to me in the sense that it told me point blank without any way to possibly doubt that he was this kid then I would agree with you. But I feel like because of details like this, that's not what happened. What is happening? I I disagree. Because like we're we're made to believe that Kay and we're told at the beginning of the movie that these replicants, like, they have to obey everything. They have to actually do what they're told. And we see him break what he's been told 
through this movie, like through actions and stuff that he's taken and basically showing like, oh, he does have some sort of autonomy and he can do whatever he wants to do and doesn't actually have to hold true to what his programming is. I think and it- and and because at the end it's like oh well no it you're just your programming's bad even though you're not like that's not really an option at this point it's actually somebody else that like that's a lie to me i don't his character is i don't agree with you because i think if you pay really really sharp attention to the details of the orders that he's given he never breaks any of them he never ignores them or doesn't obey them he might obey them and disobey them in the sense of he is not a hundred percent doing exactly what the implication is that she wants him to do. Also, there's a certain point in the movie where the person who has the authority to give him the orders dies. And from that point on, he theoretically has all time. It doesn't matter. They're not giving him orders to not do the things he chooses to do from that point. And he is still, at that point, from the rest of the movie, really investigating that kid and where it came from, which is the order that he was given. I, I disagree. He by the I, end of the movie, he has one hundred percent accomplished the exact goal that Robin Wright gave him at, towards the beginning. He found the kid. Like, what more took, do you want? Like, that's that. I feel like that. They, I'm sorry to get so heated, but it just doesn't seem like this is a fair criticism of the movie. Uh, I, I like I didn't agree with Josh's point that like Joy was not needed in the movie. It padded out the movie, and like yeah, there's interesting things about her, but she doesn't help it. I don't agree with that, but I respect it because Josh pointed out why he didn't like it, and I just don't understand why you don't like this actually. You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't make what, sense. What part? What part of his programming says save Deckard? What part of her saying take part, care of the of kid what part of his programming says don't save Decker what part of his programming says go get a girlfriend if he if he's been told to do specific things he'll obey sure but that's not to say that whenever he's he, not he, actively obeying someone he goes and sits on a charging station like he can still make his own choices as long as they don't conflict with something he's been told to do yeah, and it's actively conflicting with taking care of the kid and getting rid of the kid by if going he, and saving somebody else when he already knows who the kid the is. If the wording used was taking care of the kid, there is a lot of wiggle room that can he be used in exactly there. exactly what it means. That doesn't he knows matter. Exactly. Yes, it we does. We are not yes, told. We are told that he has to follow the implication. We're told he has to follow the he order. He knows what the orders he are. He feeds he that kid forever. He... he is technically taking care of it. No, he knows he knows that exactly what the orders are, and he chooses not to listen to the orders. Binge, That's... show me where the movie itself tells you that he has to follow the implication, not the wording. They have to obey their orders. So their he could order... be following the wording. That that's just that's semantics. It's not the actual So is yours. No, he's supposed He's supposed to take care of the kid. He is supposed to kill the kid. He never. He does they not. never say you have to go kill him. So, hold on. It Maybe. is the implication of what she's saying, but it is not told to him. You need to go murder this child. It's it's weird to go out of order like this, but like this plays directly into how the movie ends. Do y'all want to talk about it here, or do you want to get there? Let's let's get there. Let's get there when we get there. Okay, so we'll we'll table this for now. I think but, the thing to talk about now is Deckard. Okay, so Deckard shows up. I kind of wish I didn't know he was going to show up in the trailers after seeing the movie. I feel I, like that would have helped a lot, honestly. I don't care enough about Deckard or his plot line overall to be bothered by and he's barely it. Do you, in the do, movie. Don't you like him more in this he one, is, though? Like, he is, is that... significantly better. I will grant that. 
but they lean real heavily on the idea that him and Rachel in the last movie was like this huge epic romance and it was like true love and I did not buy that relationship at all in that movie and I still don't really buy it in this movie. I, I buy it a lot more in this movie, more, if I'm yes. honest. I, like, I'll, grant, I'll grant more. And if you remember, I really did not like Rachel in the previous movie. As a fan of Blade Runner, I think Rachel is a weak link, but I like what she represents. And because in this movie even though she is surprisingly in it, uh, barely in it, based on what she, she basically is hinging on what she represents for that arc to matter in this movie. And I liked what she represented in the first movie. So for me, it worked a lot here. And I honestly think that Harrison Ford's performance is really great in this movie. Also, like I can understand I'll... if you're leaning really heavily on it as a franchise, if you're really leaning really heavily on what you take from the first movie and you're remembering how horrible that lovemaking scene is in Blade Runner 1. I can understand why this would be ruined for you, but as its own work and as a sequel, it really worked for me. In fact, it sort of redeems that element of the first movie a lot for me because yeah. I in, in this movie, I believe it. In this movie, the way they talk about it and the way Deckard reacts to it and the way Harrison Ford carries the performance, I do buy into it, and I, I was fully invested. I was, I was definitely absolutely not invested in that aspect of it. I like... Deckard as a character more in this movie, but the fact that his big thing, his big scene revolved around her, him and Rachel and their relationship, and I didn't care about it. And to to bring it back to something that I think you'll you'll understand at least, you remember how you felt about the girl that ended up being the mom of Vin Diesel's baby in Fast and the Furious, That's and how a, her huh? just showing up ruined large portions of that movie for you. That's pretty much exactly how I feel about this relationship as a factor in the movie. It 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 did not it's not even that the the lovemaking scene in Blade Runner was particularly offensive or brought things down for me. It's that those characters are the biggest flaws to me of the original Blade Runner. I don't care about them. I don't care about their relationship. I don't I, the only thing that I care about Rachel for in this movie is that she is actually important in this movie, which further cements my point from the original podcast that she should have been under guard but that's a different thing i don't i don't know like i i sympathize with the example but even then that just makes me think i miscommunicated why i did not like that character in those movies i mean it's not about the because, why of it it's just that i don't like this relationship so i can't buy into this like you guys were in love from first sight and were the chosen ones yeah like yeah that's exactly what it is it immediately makes these two into the chosen ones the only thing that i actually do really like about this scene is that uh what is his name wallace uh wallace is the, is the uh is the crazy guy yeah. that's blind the only thing that i really like about this scene is that wallace purposefully touches on the maybe you are a replicant in a really oh, clever way so that I really actually like without actually coming out and s confirming either side of that. Oh, man, that's, that's the, a great scene. That's the only thing that I like about that whole scene. It, it, well, okay, because I saw the original Blade Runner. If I had not seen the original Blade Runner, I might care about this and be into it a lot more. I, I was really into it, and I— I mean, it's, I got heated when I talked about wait, Rachel. Wait, so in the wait, are we one. talking about where Wallace is like talking to Deckard? Yes, we're basically talking about the whole plot arc of Rachel and Deckard being okay. in the movie. And, and, and let me—I me, think I can get put a put a finger on exactly what it is. Maybe if they had leaned harder on the aspect of like after the movie Blade Runner ended, they had this big epic romance thing going on. But it's specifically because they're like, from the moment you met her, you were super into her, and I didn't get 
any of that in the original movie, even a little bit. I only kind of get that he's into her by the end of the movie. Definitely not for their first, like, two or three meetings. Honestly, same experience, but I really liked it here. And honestly, I... I, I think it's I, a big part of it. It's just that you're way more into the movie, and this is way late in the movie, and I'm tired of it at this point, even though I'm enjoying parts of it, you know? I, I guess. It just... It just sucks because then I, I can't say anything about like the the critical analysis of the movie. Oh no, be- I think those things be- are still valid. It's just that it's an aspect of the movie that I cannot engage with on an emotional level very much. I can engage with it on an intellectual level and the way it plays with the themes and those things. I like that aspect of it. That's actually what I like about it. But it it no it has taken the the fire out of those ideas for me. So okay, I. I thought a very interesting concept here was uh, him bringing out the new Rachel because I liked the idea that if they're all just replicants, that if this replicant has the same memories, it, it again, it's playing off of how human are they, right? Doesn't If they're just robots, does it matter if it's, hey, we printed you a new robot or it, do they actually have some sort of soul, right, that connects them? Also... Just being nitpicky. And <laughs> yeah, you I pointed this out. out. Yeah, I think it's funny that the thing that uh, that Deckard is like, no, she had green eyes. It's like, oh man, if only literally the only video recording we have of Rachel is of her eyes. <laughs> that was to me an an, an enormous like taking the wind out of those sails moment. Well, no, I can I can under, <laughs> like understand that because the records were scrambled and we're not shown the actual we are. video. We are. We're, we're shown no, the video of her, of her eye, specifically of her eye. Yeah, no, yeah I, we they are. watched is it earlier in the movie. Yeah, earlier. Oh, I, I could have sworn that when they were doing her interview that it was an audio clip. What, not it, that I, is I, an I audio can clip, easily write see. that off as like what well, they had just like they just fucked up. Yeah, it's really funny. It's hilarious to me that the one detail that we are confirmed that they have exact evidence of. Like, like if, they, if he'd been like, oh, she actually didn't have, you know, raven hair. She was a, a brunette. Right, that, or like, if it's like, ah oh, man, you know, it's it hard to some, tell from pictures. If it was some sort whatever. of imperfection that they that they missed, like she had a mole on her cheek, sure, or she fine. was shorter, but or specifically yeah. that yeah, it's yeah, like, exactly, but, the it, but that it's we like, are shown. <laughs> <laughs> like I kind of just threw that up to like. I didn't realize that there was a video, but I just kind of threw that up to like the pre-blackout and right. that the the coding was like right. distorted. Which I could totally I could the video totally is behind. also distorted as well. I could totally well. get behind if we hadn't already seen the video earlier in the movie. Yeah, and I I, I completely missed that, that and right, so right, right, right. that or if they were just like, well, he's blind. <laughs> he didn't notice that part. But yeah, that was just really funny to me. That was a funny detail. Like I would have excused that if I were into the movie the way you are, Chris. But it's just funny to me that that specific detail is what they went. It's a funny thing to nitpick on. Yeah. Come on, you have to see. I roll. Is that is it green or brown? I roll. (laughs) Go on, Mitch. Sorry. Even though, like, I I wasn't taken out of that scene because of that. But still. Now, all of that aside, I'm, I'm now going to do what I said earlier and engage with this intellectually. I really like the way that Love is interacting in this scene. Like, the way that she's acting, I at least picked up that she is very uncomfortable with everything that is happening in this. The From, from the fake Rachel to them just casually blowing her away. All of that came across that her reaction to this, despite the fact that she can't do anything about it, that she didn't like it, was very uncomfortable about it. And that, to me, 
made again her made made it, this robot feel human to me, and that's extremely important in the, to the movie overall for me. I really like how Love makes a lot of small choices throughout the movie that always seem in service of her fear of Wallace. And that's sort of one of the things that separates her from Kay, whereas Kay is sort of like, he he's sort of doing this almost out of like, a, uh, just like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, uh, he, he's supposed to obey Robin Wright's character. But Wallace consistently seems to be, uh, sorry, Love consistently seems to be afraid of Wallace. Like, she's constantly, like, like shuddering, and, like, at one point she cries while Wallace murders a replicant in front of her just to give this big grand speech because of his god complex. I believe she cries also when Rachel comes into the room because she knows what's going to happen. There's a lot of little moments where you just get the impression, and later in the movie when she says, like, I'm the best, she believes that she is the epitome of what replicants ought to be. What, and I like how her character's fleshed out in that Yeah, I, I agree with that. What, what I think I want to hit on is that it's really interesting to me that Wallace is the one character in this movie that treats replicants the way that you can really easily imagine them being treated if they're not in any meaningful way human. He treats them as objects. He treats them as toys. He just, you know, wakes one up and slashes open its stomach to make a speech. Well, well and, and and he does that because he's like, oh, you know, this is my fourth draft of this one. And it didn't turn out well. Either crumple it up, throw it in the trash can kind of thing. And he doesn't even, like, straight up murder it. Like, it's sitting there shaking and dying in pain. And he cuts it in the womb because it's thematically relevant to his speech because exactly. he's just super pretentious and terrible. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like, he could just as easily stab it in the head or in the heart and be done with it, but he lets this thing be in pain because it's not a person to him. It's just a thing. And that's why I think he's a more compelling villain if, if only he'd had the screen time and the actions to back that up. He definitely could have been. Like if, if he had been the actual antagonist, I think he could have worked very well in that right. role. I kind of I like the way Bench put it earlier though, where like, I think he's in the movie for like the exact right amount of time for where the story ends up going. I agree. It's almost the perfect amount of time to like leave you wanting a little bit more, but not too much where it's just like, I hate this guy. Yeah, and like I said, what, what I... But, My takeaway from that is, unfortunately, that they are trying to sell him for another movie. Well, they are. That, I mean, that it's, might it's, be... it's sequel baiting. Like, they've already said we're making another one to this. Oh. No, Assuming they haven't. It makes... Have If you go look on the Wikipedia page, there's already a sequel heading under well, it. They do like, that all the time. No, I actually, like, I they, they're always like, prepared. Ridley Scott have, has seen, already said, yeah. if this one does well and makes enough money, I'm going to make a third one. And Harrison Ford has already said that he's in, assuming the script's good. But how much of that is they're baiting for a sequel versus they always hope for like one? It doesn't it matter how like much of it is. If it feels to the audience, at least to me, it, for example, that it is just there to sell this guy for another and, movie And later. it's because we get it so often that we're used to that flavor. And so we can see it when – like we recognize it when we see it. Because, because you know what? I, I've seen enough Marvel movies at this point to know that when a villain's introduced and we don't get a resolution, that usually that's going to be resolved in a further movie. Because, like, that's what I've – that's that's – you know, I've been trained to think that way it, by going and seeing this many movies. And is, so when we see a big villain who has really no payoff regarding oh, his character. He, he oh, let me, let me give you two, Not really. He, let Fuck. me give you two examples that I think are, are opposites of this. With Guardian of the, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, we're introduced to both Nebula and Thanos. Nebula, very clearly by the end of that movie, has a journey and a character arc. And it's tied up even though that she is not fully dealt with in that movie. Thanos, on the other hand, is propped up and shown, hey, I'm here, I exist. 
you'll deal with me later. And I think that Wallace's character leans a little more towards the Thanos side of things than to the Nebula side. I think right. if he had a more compelling ending to his journey in the movie, this would work. Maybe if it was even him us seeing his anger at his plans being thwarted. So, but because we get nothing with him after really this scene, if I remember correctly, that we're talking about right now, mm-hmm. it doesn't work for me because it he feels like he's set up for a later thing. So does it feel like it's a conventional attempt to just Hollywood itself into the movie? Is that how you guys I, would describe it? It feels like it? it is a skillful conventional attempt right. to do that. I, I don't, need, what I don't I need, need him to die. I just need him to get some form of comeuppance. Or resolution at all. I, right. See, I, I'm... I, maybe it's just because I don't I don't know what to call it. I it's hard for me because so much of what I like about this movie is it doesn't feel like it's it doesn't feel like sequel baiting to me the way Marvel movies do. This movie feels like the rare sequel that not only didn't need to be a sequel but is on its own good in spite of being a sequel. It feels like its own self-contained movie to me. So talks of eh, this feels like they're setting up for a new one, so I don't like it are hard for me because I just didn't get that at all. In fact, it was one of my first like uh, positive remarks about the movie is I'm so glad this was its own thing in a lot of See, ways. Well, I get the especially yeah, the ending. I hundred percent yeah. the opposite reaction, especially the ending. That. I don't get that at all with with the fact that Harrison Ford goes in. Is that what you're referencing? And that we don't really see them meet up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I definitely don't want to get there just yet. There's one more big thing that we definitely have to talk about before we talk about the ending. But I... I'm I'm with Chris. I don't feel like Walt like that whole scene and not really getting a quote unquote resolution with Wallace is really sequel baiting at all. If we're gonna talk about sequel bait, it's the reveal of the underground replicants. That that, that as well. Well, this is why I feel like it's sequel bait. It's because both of those things work together. It is extremely clear to me that we will have a movie about those robots versus Wallace. It is a clear antagonist and protagonist just set up for you right in this movie, but it's not going to happen at all in this movie. Maybe, uh, but I, what I got out of it is that what the, the purpose of the rebellion is to offer Kay an opportunity to join something that's bigger than himself, which is important for his character. If what you saw there is, oh, they're going to be the things that kill Wallace, I, I get that. But what I saw is that this is a conflicting moment for Kay because he basically has his allegiance to humanity right now. He's in servant to Robin Wright, and he has his opportunity where these people are challenging him thinking, you wanted this to be you, didn't you? Does That means that there's something deeper down inside of you that's more than man-made. And I you got, are human. And, and I got all of that, and, 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 I'm, and I agree with everything you're saying. But I, because we get this setup of a clear conflict between these two characters in this movie, and because they both drop out of the movie without any resolution to that conflict or their main conflict or their conflict within this movie, it sets it up to me as sequel bait rather than as a contained narrative within this particular movie. I, 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 I. I can agree only with the underground scene. I think because the way Wallace is treated throughout the entire movie as just sort of essentially love kind of views him as her God. And she is constantly trying to like, she thinks that she's the best, but she's also constantly trying to prove that she's the best and pushing things down. We don't need to see a resolution with Wallace because Wallace isn't really kind of our main antagonist. It's love. I do because Wallace's motivation is the driving force of this movie, and at the end of the movie, he is still fully capable of pursuing that driving motivation, and 
his goal is still right there within his grasp. Well, the driving but force think, of the movie is Kay's consciousness. And well, Kay the driving force of the that. conflict in the movie, though, is the attempt for Wallace to get possession of, of Deckard's daughter. And Who Kay is, thwarts. But she is right there. She, I don't get any impression that she is going to be significantly, like, taken out of danger. They could totally do another movie about her and Deckard on the run easily from Wallace. But she's but, safe. But the, but the they story. They have no reason to believe that she's the character at this point because of the way Deckard scrambled the records. And Kay confirmed by saving Deckard yeah, that they have no reason to believe no. that Deckard is still alive because they would have found the car and believed that he drowned. Either way, they still have talked to him and know that he has a daughter out there somewhere. And so maybe it's through some part or point of view from the plot that we don't know about and couldn't have known about because it's not in this movie, which would make it even worse in the next movie that they're going to make about but, this exact. Does he reveal that it's a daughter to Wallace or just a kid? I don't. He doesn't know. know. That's he, very he relevant. Wallace, know. for all we would know, is still looking for a son because of the scrambled records. He's still looking either way. He's still there. He still has motivation. He still has des- uh, ability to pursue his goal that is the driving force of this movie. And because that resolution is not there, it feels like sequel bait. I, I feel like there is resolution there, although it may not be the exact type well, of revolution well, that but, but you may have wanted. Wallace, Wallace, Wallace has started back at where he was at the beginning of the movie when they found out that Rachel had a baby. He doesn't have any more information because Deckard didn't give out any more information. The only reason we know it's a girl is because he talked, ended up, is because Kay ended up talking to uh, the, the replicant. Underground the, the underground Res- resistance. Resolution, as I'm defining it, requires a change in either ability to pursue a motivation or the motivation itself. Neither of those are gone. Yes, he they are. He still has the ability to try and find this girl, and Deckard is still out there. He can theoretically be caught and lead him to now, her. He might but think there's... that Deckard's dead, but he's still trying to find that kid. But there's no, there's literally no information that he can use to That fi- we know of. We've in seen the next movie. We've we could seen see someone else find a different way to get them. They could come up with and that. It, and we've sh- also, we've, we've been ahead. shown the, throughout the entire movie that the evidence has been either destroyed or manipulated. For the all evidence, intents and purposes, the, ev- the slate's been wiped clean for them. They can do whatever they want. Not it's not important. Up, he's not going to give up, though. Who? He's not. Wallace, he's not going to say, ah, oh, shucks, well, there's that. I guess I don't care about it anymore. This is literally his life's ambition. He, I, have, I mean, maybe, okay. but he's a mass- not- it is. Like, he is a massively powerful person within the, the scope of this world. And he is clearly set up as a villain of this movie, and he just drops out of it without, like, anything like we don't if if we got something where you know he we saw him see find love's body and we got some kind of idea that okay maybe he will stop after this because he really does believe that the trail has gone completely cold i could get on board but because we don't see anything like that it's it's not resolved it, it just sounds like as long as he is able to pursue them like you guys aren't going to be happy and that only means that he has to die like there's no there's other way like that they completely again. wiped the records or, unless or, someone or dies there's no see, way to solve it or i have to see that he accepts that there is no way to find her like if if it doesn't see, I just, it, I it doesn't necessarily have to be that he he dies as long as he believed okay deckard's dead and maybe this girl is dead like if we see some kind of plot point that leads him to believe that like that, maybe well, they scramble the record in some way that does that. I, I could get on with it. But again, it requires either a change in motivation or a change in ability to pursue said motivation. If, and if, neither of those happen. If, it, if the story was about Deckard and the child, 
which the story is not. It may be a motivation for the characters involved, but the story is not about that. It's about Kay's journey throughout the movie. Which is yes. why so it which is matter. Why it feels extraneous because it's not attached to that and That's it's why not it feels like sequel bait. Because it's not attached to our current story. And what do you mean it's and, not attached and, 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 to our well, current story? In the way that he just, just said. said. And and it's and it's magnified by the fact that there's this resistance that also doesn't really it's just introduced and dropped. Well, that's too Deckard rem- is the thing that Kay can choose to pursue yes. to satisfy both sides. It can serve. He follows both. his orders and chooses to pursue can, his humanity. It can do that, Chris, and it can also not work on the level that we're talking about. I, but it it didn't work for me on the level you are talking about. So again, I just I don't understand it. I I've just tried to can't explain comprehend it as best it. I can. If you can't understand it, then you can't understand it. But that doesn't mean we need to keep talking about it. If all you can say is you don't understand it, I just. I, I, Whatever. I, right. I think we've beaten this one to death. You said there's another important scene you want to we get to before We need to talk about the scene where Joy, the hooker, bot, and him. Oh wow, we do skipped it. past oh, that man. quite a while. Ago, that's a great we scene. We did, but that's why we, it's a big scene, and we, we need to talk about it. This is the scene where I was just like looking at my watch, like, okay, get get it over with. Which whatever. is insane it's a beautiful to me scene. I find it absolutely fascinating because of the layers that are going on here. It's two people <laughs> that are the layers. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm ha. Uh, it's the two. It's the layers of things that are going on here because you have two not people that are engaging in one of the things that you know humans well, in stories. Three not people. I, yeah, I'm, kind getting, of, I'm, yeah. I'm getting there. Like two two not people engaging in this thing that is an act that we often see in stories to reaffirm someone's humanity and their drive and their will to live and all that stuff that makes us human. Engaging in this Sex. because yeah, because of this <laughs> other being that is not a being. In a way that neither of these two are, for reasons that may be entirely programmed. Like all the things that are going on in that sexual act are fascinating to me because it is such an unusual thing and because it is so not played for titillation. It's to me entirely there for the emotional act of what is going on because that's all it can be because I, like there's nothing else that can go on here except the emotions that are involved because also, of how disconnected the characters are i also really like the little tease we get at the end where we see a joy advertisement and this is like the most front and center one of those have been so far at this point where like we see her face up there and i'm like oh wait they all look like that don't they like what does that mean like they they sort of a reminder that like they sell this you know and this scene it felt very real it felt like like this was just the them genuinely doing the best they can to connect as characters in a sexual way then we follow that immediately with "Mm, but what if it's just for crude profit and that that's and see, it's kind of a tragedy like it, it's very sad it's kind of bittersweet in a weird way i i took that in a different way that also enhanced the scene for me though the the way that i took it is that it is almost a degradation of the character that we saw that these things are people but they're bought and sold as as sex toys it's, yeah, you it's, could also look at it like that because how do we know for sure yeah, that Joy is not conscious? It's I, like you gave a blow-up sex doll a personality, and how horrifying is that idea? And I, I, the reason, the whole conflict with me and Joy is the fact that like it's just she's her programming is to make everyone 
who buys her feel special and feel like they're unique. And that's essentially what she does to Kay. And basically she's the driving force that I think for his thinking that deludes him into thinking he's a real person. I, there she are, is. there are extraneous things outside of that, but I think she is what is making him feel special over and above everything yeah. else. And that's what 100%. That tells, I mean, that just tells me that throughout this entire process, like, that's just what she's programmed to do. Maybe so. It could but be. And, and, and the movie just, leaves that ambiguous, I think, I don't think it can be. I think that's what it is. Well, I mean, there's a certain point of view that you can look at people that way. I mean, we could just be a collection of chemicals that are firing to program us. We might not have any sense of real free will. So to me, that doesn't necessarily take anything away from her humanity, personally. And it... it the her final scene with Kay, where she like tells him that he's a real Joe, like really hammers in the point that like Kay. It really made me feel like Kay was going to side with the resistance one hundred percent, and when he was chasing down Love, he was going to kill Deckard, and that made the fight in the by the water so compelling to me because I just was not sure what was going to happen, and that's what you need for good conflict and an excellent climax, and she serves that. If Joy was not in the movie. It would not nearly have worked nearly as well for me. I I just had a realization about Joy as a character, um, just by she names K character when she's oh you need a real yeah. name I'm gonna how yeah. about yeah. Joe Yeah, Joe mm-hmm. is a term that is or no sorry it's. Never mind, it's, it's John. 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 They're Johns. Yeah, yeah, never mind. Forget that. Then. Oh, <laughs> I just like because I was like no like that's what they call. Oh like, wow, that would be even. I really, I, I kind of wish they I had wish done that. John, then, yeah. then that would just be Wait, more. What? That John's John, John are, is someone who goes and hires a prostitute. John is the generic term for guys that hire prostitutes. Oh uh, yeah. And that, I, yeah, I that sort of read it like really well. Joe is a very generic. Yeah, no, that's man. that's probably what it is. I think that that would have what uh, Ben just talking about would have added another layer to that whole interaction. But 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 again, I think the fact that she names him Joe. And then the giant advertisement mm-hmm. calls yeah. him Joe. It's just, just, I mean, I think that affirms the side of she's just saying whatever it is to make him happy because that's what she is as a product, that, not an actual relationship. That may be so. I The way that I come down on it personally is that even if that is the case and she is 100% has no choice in any of this and it's just her programming that is causing her to do this. I get the sense, and maybe it's just that I'm seeing a person do this and that there's an actress there standing there doing these things, but I'm seeing someone have the emotional con- contact of that. And even if it is something she's programmed to do, I don't know that I can say that it is any less valid than an emotion that we have. And and that's not to say also that Kay did not place genuine emotion in it either, right? For Kay, funny, it but may it matters have genuine... if it's one-sided or not. It does. It, but it matters, same... but it's the question that matters for the audience. It's the question that this brings up that makes it a compelling experience to watch. Right, but again, this is that that's why this falls into it's an interesting concept, but because I'm not invested in this character, like it's just padding out the runtime. It, it's it's again, this scene specifically where they're intimate together, that really feels to me like Hey, this is a really cool idea. How does sex with replicants work? Oh, well, let's flesh that out. Okay, this is how it works. We should definitely put that in the movie. And it feels just like another cool way they they thought of expanding the world that they threw in. I can't agree with you on that because even if you're not engaged, it does deal explicitly with the themes and raises really interesting questions. Like, I get that you're not with it on an emotion level, but intellectually, like on that level, it's an excellently crafted scene. Objectively, I think. Well, I, I agree. 
But is it a necessary scene? I, and I don't yeah, think so. I, yes, I think because so. I think it but is very important But we kind of already to... get that scene earlier in the movie. When? Uh, when they have that emotional... Uh, as soon as she gets the ability to go, like, follow him wherever he goes, like, they have that extremely emotional scene. Like, it's it's a little bit different but just because right, get, of what's happening, but I get it's what still a very emotional... Like, I get what you're saying. Emotionally I get what you're saying, but I would much sooner cut that scene than I would the sex scene. Thematically, it's important in the movie for the reasons Rick pointed out, but plot-wise, it's also important for the movie because we needed to get the hooker in the house so she can put the tracking device in the jacket that Kay wears. So that the it's resistance important. can find him later so that they can set up a sequel. No. Not entirely so they can set up like, a sequel. Like, I'm a, I don't I'm care on about board. the Resistance either. I'm on board with the way that the Resistance plays into Kay's journey. I wish the Resistance was dealt with differently, but I do agree with what Chris has said about how that plays into the character we have been following and what his arc is throughout the movie. If, if, if I hadn't gotten so upset in the last podcast, would y'all be more aggressive with me on this one? <laughs> I feel like I've gotten a lot of very generous uh, uh, softballs. I think this is a much better movie <laughs> I, on I, yeah, every I level. Well. I think this Honestly, is a better movie. I do too. I yeah. get the previous four and a half, and I think this one improves yeah. on it. There's only really one more thing we need to talk about before we get into our final thoughts, unless you had something you wanted to bring up. Yeah. I, I kind of have a weird and... To call me out if, if if this doesn't make any sense. No one's there. Uh, yeah, exactly. For, for once, binge, I'll do that. All right. You, Thanks. You're not Thanks. getting. You're not just getting a pass this time, buddy. But Wallace is trying to. He wants to make replicants. The granted, granted, his reasoning is much different than the replicants. But he wants to make the replicants able to reproduce. Reproduce. Yeah. Whereas the replicant army wants to basically free themselves from the basically the tyranny of humanity by finding one that can reproduce. But I don't. I can see. Like, it's Are just you like, trying to ask how they're different because they both want the same goal? I I understand. I, I can understand. Like broadly, like oh, that like because he's gonna keep them enslaved, but th their goal is the same, and so they want obviously to save the child and so does Wallace so that they can do the same thing but if if they if the replicants succeed then they're going to still be they're not going to be able to reproduce whereas Wallace will actually basically give them essentially humanity in a way in the fact that they can now reproduce I I think it's fa this I think the fact that these two want the same thing for vastly different reasons is the most fascinating thing about that conflict that we don't get any resolution to but that it's because these two are so different. It's that entirely because Wallace wants to give this to these people, but he does not see them as people. And he is still going to continue. He only sees giving them the ability to procreate as a more efficient way to create more of them. So we can make more money. Exactly. They want it because they see it as the symbol that will give them freedom and the ability to overthrow their 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 slave owners. And I, Wallace would probably regulate their breeding exactly. if he had the technology. That, Whereas the and, replicants, if they can find the child, the child might be able to reproduce when she grows of age. And without and with that reproduction, if it's not under Wallace's supervision, they might be able to remove. Like that might remove the order thing that they have to obey those orders. And then she's the only one, and then they so have she to has keep more babies. Have, and I then mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but exactly. It, but it starts with one. It's, it's super creepy. creepy. It starts with. Sorry. It's on. super creepy, and the implications of how that would have to work are are really uncomfortable. But and I I can understand their side of it. Where they're like, oh well, if we give the child to Wallace, 
they're gonna butcher her and find and then like to figure out how to how that happens. Yeah, they'll take this thing that we want and treasure and use it in the worst way possible. Yes, but their end goal, as far as being able to quote unquote mm-hmm. be humans and have like an infinite essentially population, mm-hmm. if it gets long enough, um, like. Their goal, their goal is better served by giving her to Wallace so that they can now reproduce. And, and like, we're just like you guys. We can reproduce and... It's not going to have the same effect, though. It's still... It's going to keep them in the bonds of slavery. I think with... By getting her to themselves, they're going to create a new generation, essentially, of robots that don't have to follow orders. And because they're, they're stronger and more powerful, yeah. But they have—it's one person. It's, it's and hope, bud. It's one person. It's what it represents. It's not, okay. They're gonna have one kid every two years, and then they're gonna have to wait. You know, okay. however long. It might take long. It might take an enormously long point, point I think, of time. But no, at the, the point there, but the point that I—it doesn't make any sense to me. To say, oh, we're going to keep her and then we're just going to figure out how to reproduce ourselves and then never, like, it and, makes and, more and, sense and, for and them to And if they wanted re- peace in the galaxy, why didn't the rebels just obey the Empire? <laughs> it's like... No, it, does, it doesn't, no, it doesn't make sense to me that they don't just, like, say, hey, she came from replicants and reveal that to all society and just be like, boom, drop the mic it's we're real. We can recreate because too, and then let Wallace have her so that they can now recreate. But that's not going to have that. Use- that's not going to do that. That's not going to change the way people actually see her. The reason they want her is so they can create an, an army and physically through war overthrow their oppressors. You, you got to remember that this is so at they're this using point her as a baby at, factory. At, got yes. it. At this yes, point, it's horrible. At this point, this is the one thing that's separating replicants from humans on a, on a biological level mm-hmm. it's the only thing that they cannot do and they and are Wallace in, is they're basically able to give that but to they'll them be enslaved they to He's Wallace if he can to. figure out how Tyrell was able to create Rachel he can engineer a way that all of their offspring continue to have the obedience protocol that they all have now whereas if they're in control of it they can let it happen organically and possibly without that is it, it, be- might- is it better to slowly create a free race or to mass produce slaves yeah, it's it, it for, may not be their practical. Goal, it may not be for their easy. goal to slowly produce free people. Yeah, they're, they don't the care. only so, reason. No, they, they don't, so then at that point, they don't give a shit about her. They Probably like, not. They're if like they hand her, if they hand her over to Tyrell, they don't give a shit about her either way. So the be, the the better thing the better way is for, is for him to be able to make more slaves. That's better. Is that for can more procreate. This that are slaves. That, that and then procreate. procreate more slaves. The procreation itself is not what's at stake here, Benj. It's the symbol of what it means. To yes, the... so the thing to do is and throw it's... up the symbol, say we've ruined like the hold n- that humanity has on us. That's not what it's going to do. Let... That's not how people work. They're going to go, okay, you can procreate. We'll find some other way to the, discriminate against these you. These details are actually in the movie. They're very small, though. They're all, they're actually very fleshed out, though, in the prequel films, if you want to go watch them. The anime one does a great job of this because they first brought out the human lifespan and the uh, model that came out right after the replicants from the previous movie. And what literally happened is uh, human supremacy movements began, and they started lynching all the replicants because they just were disgusted by the idea that these things were allowed to walk among them even though they weren't human. The society would reject them. 
They need to be able to be in control of themselves. And that's why the resistance exists. It's also why the resistance is not just going off and just being like, hey, we got this thing because they need to make sure that they can control it. They need to make sure that they can keep it their own because that's all they want. They just want to be human. They don't want to have their entire kind enslaved anymore from their perspective. They want to be able to have freedom of choice, which is what Kay executes in the climax of the movie by choosing to save Deckard. And instead of giving Deckard over to the replicants, he lets Deckard go with his daughter and then dies in the snow. He most beautifully illustrates how the replicants can choose to be human better than any other faction or person in the movie does. And that's amazing. I mean, I agree with that. I think that's a good summary of the final scene. I feel like if we go back to the other thing, we're just going to go around in circles. I, I don't see the benefit to being able to reproduce if it's not if if they're not free. Exactly. There's there's no but, benefit to it. It's just it's just hey, I can I can now buy two slaves that will make me more slaves. If it was preservation of the species, I would understand why you're coming at it from that perspective, Bench. But that's not why they care about it. What they care about is that they want to be they don't really want to be regarded as replicants anymore. They want to be regarded as people. Does that make but, sense? But, but this is a revolution that they're trying to start. For that reason. For the reason I just said to you. Yes, but they have and you don't a finite... Advert, and you don't advertise the linchpin of your revolution right <laughs> off the bat. That's a bad play. Yes, but... They they will get crushed. So they're, they're, they're whole, there was literally like the 20 child. of them. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot. <laughs> there's more, but anyway, you get what I'm saying. I'm yeah. ready for final thoughts. Well, the, I mean, we, we should to... touch on the final fight. Because that was oh, awesome it's a great fight. fight. It's, it's a, a great really fight. fight. Oh my gosh! In the water, and the, there's so much tension happening. Like the the car is starting to drown. Well, and I mean, I I didn't I wasn't on board with the. I knew he was gonna save Deckard. I was not tense about that at all. So that part was not tense to me. But I do agree that the framing of the scene, the the lighting, all of it, I really like the the fight itself. I think all that's really strong. Oh, it's a it's a dynamite it's fight. I yeah. love I love fights that involve rain or a bunch of waves, and I love fights that involve a lot of fire. Those are the two yeah. best types of fist fight backgrounds that you can have. And for me, this is the perfect example of how to do a fight where it's nighttime and there's a lot of factors that would normally obscure your vision, like all the rain and all the water that is pouring in. But this is a great example of how to do a fight in that setting where you can still see what's going on and have a good sense of what's happening as these people are fighting each you, other. You can always see, but there is a stylistic element of how the headlights are breaking through the darkness. There, there, yeah. there is, but but it feels very intentional. One thing that often aggravates me in a lot of action movies is is it's dark, and so you hear the hit, the hits, but you don't get to see anything. You can't and, follow and I, it nearly as right, well. And yeah. I really appreciated how well I was able to follow it, and for me, that made the fight way cooler. Yeah, like, I agree with I, that. I thought, and, and it made me appreciate the setting instead of wishing we were fighting somewhere else. Yeah, I, I thought it was awesome. And I really liked the, resu- the final way that he kills love as well. Like oh the drowning like yeah like I thought it was how he how he shifts down it was so cool yeah and you just slowly see like she's able to finally make his like his face out through the like because she stopped struggling yeah Yeah, like I just thought like stylistically it was super cool to see it was I I'm terrified of like drowning is the number one way that I do not want to die and so that whole scene was really like uncomfortable for me which I feel like it should be it should be but yeah I agree like yeah. Yeah, that was really it was cool. awesome. It was and awesome. and speaking of just beautiful stylistic choices, um, when they go to see Deckard's daughter 
in the snow. Like, again, I thought that that was – you brought it up earlier. Do you want to touch on that again? Just because I yeah. thought that was such a beautiful way of – First of all, it's snowing it, in Los Angeles. There's no clearer sign that the environment is just screwed <laughs> if it's snowing in Los Angeles. I didn't think of that, yeah. <laughs> but I, I loved this moment, and I loved how – in a lot of ways, it's very on Blade Runner because Blade Runner is very bleak and Blade Runner is very, very dark and just about the mood. And this scene, fe- scene felt it, it felt bittersweet because we kind of start to realize Kay's probably going to die. It's not 100% clear, but he, he 